0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is episode 133 for September 2019. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Phileas Club. This is a show where we cover the news from around the world with people from around the world and we try to get different perspectives on what's been happening uh, either in our local regions or, you know, the things that we've heard about which are more uh, international. My name is Patrick Beja and this is a regular show but we also do specials every once in a while, usually every month we try to and the last special, if you haven't heard it, if you haven't listened, please Go back and check that out. It's a special about China and Africa. We had Eric and Lena on the show, who were wonderful hosts and who gave me a lot of uh, a lot to think about and a lot of outside perspective outside of my world, my bubble, however you want to call it, uh, the the Western uh, uh, <laughs> the Western world, which Eric had some issues with as a term, but uh, and and that's exactly what i hope the show does well so if you're curious about what china is doing in africa what uh, african nations and people think about all of this and probably uh, things that you don't really imagine they would uh, uh, think about in those ways uh, go check it out it's episode 132 and uh, i think it was pretty cool Uh, This is episode 133, however, and uh, we're going to be talking about what's been happening in the world uh, and to help me do that because I am but one lone person in Finland and also, you know, uh, somewhat French. Uh, I have two people who are going to help me in that task on the American, uh, I should say Jusen side really but uh, on the American side Wendy how's it going Wendy
1: good good hi everybody
0: uh, what is up with you these days
1: <laughs> oh I'm just in America <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the
1: American thing you know we buy lots of stuff and I you don't know <laughs> are sad i don't know we're just (laughs)
0: buying lots of stuff and being sad i think that uh summarizes the the irony i think many people are sad but the irony is that no matter where you stand on which side you stand of any big issue in the u.s i think most people are sad anyway whether you're getting your way or not everyone's just sad and yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> and buying stuff, which, you know, uh, sometimes makes you feel a little bit less sad.
1: Yeah, for a minute. And then mm. then we got to work extra hard to pay for it. So ah. it's a cycle.
0: <laughs> Damn it. Well, I mean, I hope waking up early uh, to do the show isn't making you sad. Oh, you didn't wake no, up no, no. early. No, it's no. good.
1: I just, uh, you know, kids out the door. I'm I'm ready for this. Let's do it. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, the third chair on this episode is Dan from Mexico. So that's why I was saying you, send, and actually, because American, you're also in America, but in uh, Central America, how is it going, Dan? Apparently, it's not.
2: <laughs> actually, we're part of North America, remember? That's yeah, right. yeah, and uh, uh, we're actually part of North America together with the United States and Canada, and I am... Ready to have this discussion where perhaps I will talk about I don't know country and uh, freedom of speech and perhaps immigration.
0: Ooh, exciting uh, topics that are common in these uh, parts as well. Cool. Well, thank you uh, first of all for correcting me. That I guess there is no Central America, is there? Like it's this little strand of land that connects south and um, and and north. That's part of Mexico, isn't it? Am I displaying?
2: No, it, my... it, it, it it actually is because, for example, I work in advertisement and uh, I deliver, uh, I don't know, uh, advertisement to different parts in the continent. So we actually have a, a part that it's called Central America, Belize, Guatemala, the, the area that is right at the center. But as you may,
0: oops, your connection, connection is as, in... as
2: what you have at the south or perhaps at the northern. Right. Okay. Uh,
0: can you give me? Oh. I'm going to give you one second to try and find a better My connection. connection, no Maybe we'll worries.
2: will get back to you, okay?
0: No problem, all right, no problem. All right, <laughs> <laughs> um, Right, so yeah, uh, obviously, I mean, I'm not Google mapping all of this, but uh, <laughs> Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama, Cuba, uh, the Dominican Republic, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and Puerto Rico, which some might know is actually part of the United States. Um, it is, yeah. Uh-huh. All right, well, that's Central America, but we're not going to be talking about that since no one on this show is from there. Um, Testing, Oh, that sounds better. Okay, excellent. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. I was just recounting all the wonderful countries that are part of Central America and saying that that's not what we're going to be talking about since uh, U.S., Mexico and France slash um, slash Finland. So yeah, everything doing going well in Mexico.
2: Um, yes, and for example, this is the the month of the country. Uh, for perhaps for some of the people in uh, in the United States or in Europe, they think that the Cinco de Mayo is the main uh, celebration that we have in Mexico, but it is not. Uh, we have the Cry of Dolores, which is uh, the moment that we celebrate for the for the where where the revolution for independence began and that was this month so we actually were celebrating uh, the national heroes and uh um, uh, actually, on Saturday, uh, perhaps you have you heard that in the rest of the world, they were celebrating some of the same heroes. We have also Batman Day. I don't know if they can consider Batman uh, a local <laughs> hero here, but well, we have the Bat-Signal in Mexico City.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems, it seems like a wonderful thing to be celebrating, although some might see it as, you know, the tragic... Uh, uh, twisted character that was formed by the, the horror of losing their parents in a corrupt and destroyed city that is an allegory for uh, uh, the U.S. and, and you know, uh, some, of American, some American cities like New York. So I don't know if that's going to bring a smile back to our faces, Dan. Thank you. Um, Oops, sorry about that. <laughs> but we'll try. <laughs> All right, let's start with, um, I think, so I'm going to be talking about uh, France, I suppose, but I think that fits uh, for every country or most countries around the world. That I That's the impression I get. Uh, it's, of course, the climate change um, issue, which is getting much more uh, visibility than it has at any point in the past. We've had, of course, the march for the fridays for the future i believe on um well last friday and those were in in the case of france the continuing um demonstrations by the yellow jackets have s- sort of melded into i'm choosing my words somewhat carefully have have uh melded into the uh climate uh, protests and what was happening to the yellow jackets, the yellow vests uh, in the country and those protests, which um, have a lot of issues with the police forces and the the protesters themselves uh, that doesn't seem to be getting resolved um, with accusations of police violence and I guess some accusations as well of um Vi- uh, violence on the on the side of the protesters and, and that's always that back and forth you know you, you always hear oh but we're doing this because they are dangerous and they're that they, they say that they weren't dangerous and that the police is using excessive force uh, i have to say watching uh the news and the and and the twitter feeds the impression is that there was excessive force um but of course, it's always difficult to to know what actually happened for sure, but the excessive force doesn't seem to be stopping, uh, which is a concern. Um, and the reason I'm getting into this, this is somewhat linked to the yellow vest, but it did, um, as I was saying, bleed into the concerns and the protests about the climate, which the yellow vests kind of associated themselves with that movement. And so it, 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 um, it brought the concerns that were existing already there to that. And I don't know that we can easily divide the, the, the two. Um, but I think that what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling is that the, the concern for climate change And the the dangers that the planet is facing are becoming way, way more visible. It feels like there has been kind of an inflection point, um, partly driven by Greta Thunberg, um, who is being in the country, you know, described as both an incredibly courageous young lady by the proponents and... In a very untactful manner, I think, by some of the opponents, uh, as you know, a, a, an enraged person. I'll leave it at that. And they use all manners of uh, derogatory descriptions, which are, I think are not um, very appropriate. Um, some of the those people are trying to say um, di- various forms of she's an idealist, but Reality is different, which I think I understand a little bit more. But certainly, driven by her, and in part by her, maybe not entirely, um, I think climate change has become probably one of the main concerns in the country. And I feel that uh, that will become uh, not only uh, uh, one of the main issues in the next presidential election, but possibly um, the the Green Party slash parties will gain a lot of traction in the next uh, uh, election. That might be my personal feeling and my bias, um, because I, I have felt a shift around me as well. But it seems like things have boiled to a point where the urgency is being felt by everyone. I think that is a good way of summarizing it. Um so that would be I think the main things that happened in the past few weeks in in France. Uh I am curious Wendy um of course there's the summit um in the US at the moment. It, does that feeling uh, uh ring uh, you know echo in the US or do you have other fish to fry?
1: Oh, we have so many fish to fry. Um <laughs> you know I think it definitely echoes. I mean, you know, kids in uh, all over the country um, joined in on that Friday and, you know, lots of parents, lots of teachers, lots of, you know, I, I think it's definitely happening in that grassroots sort of way. Um, and just my, you know, I have to hang out with teenagers a little bit. Um, my kids are teenagers. I've, I've had lots of conversations with young people about just the way they see the world differently. And it is very different from um, what I would say was even five, six years ago when uh, I lived here last. And of course, I was in Sweden in the meantime. And so, you know, um, I I know what was happening there in the last five years, and it was definitely growing there. That was really obvious. They always have had it in their in their blood, right? <laughs> mm. Like, let's do the right thing and let's, you know, recycling was the most amazing experience of my life there 99 percent of waste is recycled i mean uh, this we, is a,
0: we recycle so much in finland it's it's, it's crazy, crazy yeah. right
1: and you like fuel your cities with the burning of the the plastic Trash and, and yeah. Some massive yeah it's amazing yeah. right and so greta Thunberry, i'm gonna say it the right way uh-huh. <laughs> she is like just like it makes so much sense it's coming from sweden to me um mm. because that's who they are. And so I saw that even grow there. Like a lot of my clients are still in Sweden. They will talk about how they have, you know, started cutting out plane rides and they're taking the train. And so I'm, I'm watching it in real time there here. I think we're always way slower because of my initial joke of how we like to buy things and be sad. Um, I mean, we're such a consumer based society and so much of what we consume, um, is terrible for the planet because we, we order something on Amazon and it's at my house two days later. I mean, there is a Amazon delivery truck or one of the companies delivering something on my street daily. Um, and so it is a very big part of what we're doing, which is why we're a big problem because there's so many of us. Our, our sort of culture and is built around this. So yes, am I seeing shifts? Yes. Am I talking to younger people who absolutely see this as massively important? Absolutely. Um, there is also a very common feeling, and this could just be where I am, um, that boomers are the worst thing ever. <laughs> mm. And the, mm. the joke among 14-year-olds is to call someone a boomer if they're terrible.
0: You know, that's certainly a part of the feelings I get here. And I think that's uh, I I really think that's common everywhere. The feeling that exactly embodied by uh, Greta Thunberg, as you said, the feeling nice. that we I guess I'm almost fifty now. Holy crap! Um, we are screwing it for them. We're not going to be there in fifty years when think. Well, maybe I I'll be on you know the last my last legs, um, but. We're not going to be there. It's not for us that it's a real problem. It's for them. And that feeling, I think, is something new that we didn't really have even two or three years ago. Um, and that resonates a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, can I just say something qu- quickly about Greta? Um, she had an awesome tweet and I was looking for it. And I can't find it. But essentially, it was, you know, people um, start to attack how she looks and how mm. she acts welcome to being a woman, friend. Um, You know, how you act, you're supposed to be nice, you're supposed to be happy, you're not allowed to be angry, you know, and all of those things are coming at her as she has obviously gained notoriety and is incredible. I mean, we have a teenager who got half the world to protest on a Friday. (laughs) A year and a half ago, she sat alone with a sign outside her school. (laughs) Like, that's it's astounding and she then talked about how she has asperger's syndrome or she's on the spectrum and that it just literally doesn't she doesn't care like it doesn't hit her mm. and which might be one of the reasons she can be this powerful and it's, it's you know her discouragements probably in the effort she's making or that people aren't responding not about her her personally doing this um because it kind of run, runs off her back and she said this great thing in her, in, as she was talking about this in her tweet, she said, you know, this is, it's clear where they are when they have to revert to talking about how I look and calling me names. Mm. And so the president of the United States, he who shall not be named, is, <laughs> takes his time, which he ta- wastes his time constantly. We all know that. But he takes his time to mock a 16-year-old child. Like, where are we at? What is terrifying? to the adults who are shamed by this and for, you know, the, the, the reality is it's a world that the generation before created and you have young kids saying it's not okay. And so she's calling out sort of either the shame or the reaction to that shame of, of, you know, mocking and then deriding her. And anyway, it's just evidence that she's nailing it, you know? Mm, And, and I think, you know, she knows that. And Which makes her even more dangerous, which is great.
0: I will say, just to take the other side of it, I, I understand that people are responding to her, and it's kind of a catch twenty two. If you say something, if you don't say anything, that then she's unopposed, and if you say something, then you know you're uh, uh, you're attacking a sixteen year old. But at the same time, there are different things that are okay to say, especially about a sixteen year old, and I think that's where the line should be drawn. Like even if you mock adults or whatever in a certain way, which is still not okay, but less not okay than about a kid. Like, when it's a kid, you probably have to be a, a little bit more careful or tactful in what you say, which we know is not your president's strong suit. But
1: still. No, no, it's, it's definitely not. And I think, too, a way to think about it is, Okay, if you're gonna attack her or what she's doing or what she's about, then do it with some substance and maybe there yeah. are folks out there doing that i haven't I haven't read that. like have a policy discussion. talk about that that it's a terrible thing to have young people have ideas. I mean, let's let's get to yeah. what the meat of it is not this is this is Trump's tweet. She seems like a very happy young girl looking forward to a bright and wonderful future. So nice to see. So he is because she's angry, she's She's upset. She's calling everyone out. She is not behaving the way ladies are supposed to ha- behave in his world, um, and so he's just sarcastically mocking her. I mean, that is—it's the lowest form of yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. gross.
0: Dan, how's uh, how's it going? How is climate <laughs> going <laughs> in Mexico?
2: Yeah, well, uh, it also resonated uh, in here because we also had some uh, some marches in in the city center in Mexico City, obviously supporting this this movement. And for example, it was uh, kind of funny seeing some of the people, uh, let's call it, uh, in the other side of the fence, that wanted to discredit uh, the the general message because they were saying uh, things like, "Well, uh, we have um, perhaps children that are in a more complicated situation that the children, or in this case, teenager, that it's." Uh, a accusing us or telling us a message that we actually need to hear, but uh, we have to worry more about the, the, the things that, that we have in here, the economical, a, economical situation. Uh, however, one of the marches that uh, we had in here, we're focusing uh, this general message, this uh, needed message that we all must be listening to and uh, trying to focus it in the regional problems that we have here in Mexico. One in particular is that uh, part of the pre- the, our brand new president, uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador, here in Mexico, he's about to uh, have one, one year uh, as, as president in here. But one of his main proposals is to build a refinery at one of the southern states. Uh, at the south, uh, we have the states that are in more complicated situation, the, the poorest states in, in the entire country. So for one side, you can understand why he want to uh, bring um, more economical benefits, uh, more development in that area. However, uh, the main problem here is that it, it feels more like something that is not helping in this case, uh, the, the, the climate change that we are all facing, mm. and also because he's focusing on the... Uh, something that was, uh, let's say, the, the, the proper movement to do but uh, like three decades ago, we shouldn't be focusing on extracting oil, especially the kind of oil that you can get here in Mexico, which is like the the heaviest, the the one that you have to process a lot. So we actually have to sell it to the United States and then we have to buy it back as, as gas. Uh, so that's not <laughs> economical. Uh, that, that doesn't make uh, any sense in the economical uh, point of mm-hmm. view. And you also have uh, like uh, two or three refineries that are in the states nearby. So it's more like he he wants to help this particular state that I agree that uh, needs help, economical help, but it's his home state. So you understand why he wants to do that. But it's more like a political movement. So he's not taking care of what is something that can be sustainable for the future. Mm. So, as I was mentioning before, some of the... Um, uh, the protests that were taking place with this march, some of the signs that they were carrying were like, I don't want a president that, who is an, anti-science. I don't want a president who doesn't believe that we are facing these problems right now. And they were actually directed to, to Mexico. I want to mention it's not all the people in the march. Perhaps were used just like two or three signs. I don't want to say that everybody's a, a against the president. Actually, he has uh, one of the highest approval rates in, in recent times. But uh, that actually happened. So some people were complaining about this specific topic.
0: I think that's, th- th- well, there are two things in what you said. First, the fact that, you know, she's a kid and they're kids and they don't really know what they're talking about, kind of. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a given. They ov- Obviously, they're teenagers and they don't necessarily understand the complexities of all of the systems that work together to create society. But that's obvious. But it doesn't really matter, right? It, the, the The problems that they're showing shoving in our faces aren't less real because the um the the way they form are complex and i think as you both mentioned if we have to talk about it it's important to talk about how maybe we you know if we challenge them about the way we do the solutions that's valid but yeah anyway so that's something i wanted to mention and um and, yeah, the other thing is in in general um I feel that the people who are for action are for action anyway, but the people who used to be against action seem to be moving towards in the in in the other direction. Maybe they're not there yet, um but that's something I feel, and I think what you're describing describing Dan makes me feel maybe that's actually the case
1: indeed so well i I would throw something out really quick just Mm -hmm. economically it's it's easy for a country like sweden or finland and and it should be easy for the united states that has the 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 resources or the long history of economic sort of the benefit to be like oh you know what we ought to do is be more careful or you know, maybe risk profits so that we can um, make the air cleaner or various things. So that that's a luxury, um, I think. And I and I think other countries that are struggling with some various things, that's hard to have that top of your agenda when right. you know there needs to be these other things. So in some ways, it's it's a bit unfair. And and I I will just point at my country as the worst culprits of this because we we in theory should be we should be the forerunners. Um, mm. We are the forerunners in polluting. We should definitely be the forerunners yeah. in fixing. Um, and and I think, go ahead. no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I think that that tends to um, be this double down you're sort of describing of, you know, it's money, it's politics, it's all oil, oil. I mean, it's it's all the all of the fundamental things underlying it that are getting um, that would have to be altered or removed or changed in some way that maybe less profit is made initially, you know, while the science emerges, you know, and there's, there's obviously money to still be made, but if that's the bottom line, the bottom line is not clean air, clean water, cooling of the planet. The bottom line tends to be, to be financial. And that's why there has to be a political fight. That's why Mm. sometimes we have to have a out of the mouth of babes, teach us something (laughs) and force us to stare at something because for them, they they have yet to be wrapped up in the world where it's about financial gain or loss. Mm. Um, yeah, and so they're teachers in that way.
0: I think that aspect about financial gain or loss is really important, and the political action linked to it. And in the U.S., you you seem to be so disillusioned with political action, which, by the way, I think is a, a an active work. That some politicians did uh, teaching the American public that politics is is, is not a trap but is a marsh that is inefficient, right. which gets people to work against their their self-interest in a way that is infuriating mm-hmm. but but yeah the, the the big you know we can recycle all day long it's obviously not going to. Be as efficient as companies, which are the backbone of our economy, um, taking action. And if a company is suffering, maybe that's not the one we should be focusing on. But there are many companies that are uh, that have very heavy profits that could. The, the consequence of making things in a more sustainable way wouldn't be that the company goes under. It's not like a small business that in downtown downtown uh, uh, Detroit. It's a big company that has billions of profits uh, a year, if not a quarter or a month or a week. And making things in a more sustainable way would reduce those profits, which in turn makes less profits for shareholders. And we don't want to uh, you know, completely um, upend the system, but it seems like it's needed now. And they're not going to do it on their own you're never going to say, oh, I could have a thousand bucks. You know what? I'll just give you 300 and I'll take 700, whatever. It's fine. I don't right. care. Right. It's, so this is where the political, not just will, but the political, the role of the political uh, uh, system is involved. And that's what is needed now. So anyway, I don't know where I was going with this. Dan, you wanted to add something?
2: <laughs> Uh, yeah, perhaps just a brief comment, but that this kind of discussion that we're having is something that, uh, as you mentioned, it's more like in the political aspect. And, uh, for example, in, in, in countries that are more evolved, uh, we can say that, uh, it's easier to criticise uh uh, other countries for not taking the measures that are needed. We can criticize India for the pollution that they are uh, creating, but and they can defend themselves uh, because they're saying uh, we have to get to a point where we are similar to the economical situation that you have in your country, and then we can do something about it. But that will take about, I don't know, 30, 40 years, 20 years, I don't know. It will take longer than it is needed. So Uh, The voices that we're listening right now, they might come from somebody who is underage, they might come uh, from somebody who perhaps has a a mental disability, uh, it doesn't matter. The truth must be spoken and the truth must be uh, listened to, even though it it can make us uncomfortable. And we have to actually regulate and work in the politics so we can understand and we can have at least some guidelines of what we can do to improve the situation right now and also for for the future of our our countries and of the world.
1: Right. Can I can I throw one thing in there too? Thank you for that, Dan. I think um, there's another thing happening, and this is this is to bring a little hope to the conversation. So I have a, a brother who's pretty conservative guy and pretty like climate change is a hoax kind of dude. And um, <laughs> most recently, I I interacted with him, and he said almost in this sort of confessionary tone, he said. Um, you know what, I think the the biggest threat facing all of us is climate change. And I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I thought I, I, I thought he'd been possessed. I could not figure out what was happening. And I said, wait a minute, what? And what it was, <laughs> Is he lives in Arizona? He's lived there 30 years. It is a desert. It's hot. It's the surface of the sun. I mean, summer average temps are 120, 115, which is what 50 something degrees? Jeez. Um Celsius. It's hot, hot, hot. They don't go outside, stuff melts. I mean, it's terrible. And he's lived there 30 years. He knows that's his weather. He's he's used to it. But in the last five, 10 years, they've had these storms, and I'm not gonna remember the name but they have them in various um, countries in the Middle East where obviously there's a lot of sand and um, these storms rise up and they, it's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. He showed us a video that he took and you watch it roll in like there's storm clouds, but it's dust and dirt or um, sand and just blankets the city of Phoenix, which is a lot of people. And if you're on the freeway, you have to stop your car and wait until it passes like a storm and then you're digging out of sand. This is new. So he has lived there his whole life, most of his whole life. And then this new phenomenon is hitting him and he can't deny the reality that in the Mm. last five years, something has massively changed in his world. So there's there. And I hate that. I hate that it takes us, but this is a human response, which is, I don't have to believe anything while I still am, am comfortable And I think that's the reality for certain, you know, island nations and and those who are going to be affected first. Um, They don't have any luxury to be comfortable for too long. But when, and I even noticed this here, you know, we had a really cold winter, this polar vortex thing you guys maybe have heard of, where this Canadian air blows down through the center of the United States. And it was minus, oh, this is where Celsius and Fahrenheit meet. It was minus 40. Jeez. And we could, you could go outside, you can get a pair of jeans wet, go outside and, in less than a minute, they will freeze. You can put them in positions. It's pretty funny. <laughs> and you can <laughs> throw boiling water in the air and it will Im- instantly evaporate. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of fun science, but it is freezing. And the, that's supposed to happen every once in a while. That has happened a couple years in a row. Yeah. And people are more and more nervous because they're having weather events they've never had before or, you know, hasn't happened in a hundred years. So I think that your own experience of your weather has an impact.
0: I think... You know, that's that echoes something that uh, Tony said last month, um, who, as frequent listeners of the show might uh, remember, Tony is a pretty conservative person. Um, and talking about climate change, he kind of echoed the feelings uh, of your brother. He was saying, you know, at this point, I'm thinking it doesn't really matter if it's man-made or not. It's here, so we probably have to do something about it. Um, and that's what i I think I was getting at when I was saying as as uh, Dan was delivering his beautiful uh, uh, speech a few minutes ago, I was thinking, Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, oh, what a wonderful bunch of leftists uh, we are here (laughs) in our bubble agreeing with each other. Um, But I really think, I genuinely think that the people um, who, that's what I was saying earlier, who were on the other side of this issue are not here yet with us but are moving towards uh, our side of it because they're realizing they're seeing uh, the effects more and more and um, yeah so anyway so i guess the conclusion as i was saying in the beginning is that the urgency is being felt at last um all right that's it for climate change Uh, wendy why don't you tell us what else has been happening in the united states of america
1: well we might have to take united out of the title i feel
0: like
1: <laughs> things that are not uh very uniting um yeah um okay so just why
0: hasn't there right. been a, a a movie called the divided states of america and there has to be <laughs> well, or a will. book at least
1: i'm gonna google that i am that. sure there is many yeah. books actually um you know, we have, we're a young democracy. I think sometimes we forget that. I think we think, um, we're, we're there's a lot of
0: divided States of America. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of divided States. Um, you know, we, we're a young democracy. I think we forget that. And we've, we have taken a lot of things for granted, um, in our adolescence as a country, because that's what you do as an adolescent. (laughs) And, um, I think we're we're hitting uh, a bump in the road that, you know, we've hit before. So yesterday, um, Nancy Pelosi, who's the House Speaker um, um, in Congress, said that we're ready to uh, start the actions necessary to, you know, investigate the president and impeach him. So you guys have probably heard the word impeach a million different times. It's like strange. Like, what does that mean? a peach, you you don't eat a peach. It doesn't, yeah. (laughs) And ultimately what it means is it's, and something to know, it's only happened three other times in history.
0: The impeachment Um, or the inquiry?
1: The impeachment inquiry, the impeachment. Okay, Okay.
0: so that it actually results into an actual impeachment.
1: Yes, Mm. and what happened uh, in the other two times, it was Andrew Jackson was the first, and then it was... um, Bill, uh, bill clinton and then oh nixon sorry nixon was sick Rick, richard nixon and then bill clinton was the last one and oh, and sorry sorry, sorry. just just jackson. to
0: clarify just to clarify uh clinton wasn't impeached so you're talking about the inquiry not so the no let me explain
1: sp- what happened so okay. two were impeached andrew johnson i said jackson i apologize I, it should have been jackson but anyway andrew johnson <laughs> um he was impeached and uh let's see that was 1868 so a long time ago and then bill clinton was impeached in 1998 but both were ultimately acquitted and then they completed their terms in office so mm. out, from the outside it may look like oh they just did an inquiry and he was he he stayed they stayed so obviously he wasn't impeached but both of them um were able to finish their term in office so to have someone Uh, impeached and then out, that's never happened except with Nixon. He resigned. That was his choice. Um, I don't know what would have happened if he had tried to stay or tried to be acquitted or whatever. But so this is not something we've done a lot. We don't have a lot of (laughs) history with this being uh, some effective way of having a president get kicked out. We don't have a revote like the rest of the world does, you know, a vote of no confidence and then they start over that is not our jam. We go 4 years with this pre- the president and then, you know, the election supposedly is going to determine, you know, that's the judgment on those 4 years. Um anyway, so they're going to start this and one thing to understand is, you know, this is the div- division part is that Democrats for a long time have been very paranoid about pursuing impeachment cuz he's done a lot of crazy stuff. He did a lot of stuff to get elected that seems crazy. All the things that in theory, seem like impe- impeachable offenses. Almost every conversation he has with a world leader, I mean, there's probably something in there that's strange or should not be happening. He's he's busted every single norm that there has ever been. Um, and so you know, it's jumping in you know, jumping at the bit like, let's get him. What can we do? And mm-hmm. and I can understand that feeling. There is this feeling of we have a sitting president who did not win the popular vote. Um, he has done so many things that have are really tough to swallow. Um, there's a lot of people who like the stuff he's doing and discount his behavior and, you know, his his history or some of these things. And they just going to, people are going to believe what they want to believe. And so Nancy Pelosi, I think, has been wise in resisting the call from her caucus and from so many people to let's impeach him, impeach him, impeach him. And these are particularly the younger members of the caucus. Um, and, you know, they just want it done. Like, get, get this started. There's enough evidence here. Well, isn't the issue that
0: isn't the issue or until now, because of course, I've heard the calls for impeachment. Um, it wasn't the issue that one of the two chambers was couldn't wouldn't wouldn't vote it or would, would block it or not let it go through anyway. So it was pointless.
1: They still will, I, mm. is my prediction. And even okay. I think Mitch McConnell this morning, he's the head of the Senate, which is the other house, um, the speaker of that house, he said, yeah, we're gonna squash it. Mm. So that's always been known. This is how politics works here. No one gets anything done. No one works across the aisle. Like that. that era ended. And now it's just my team, my team, my team, which is why we're so divided because we've become so tribal and and i go back to my point of how young we are as a democracy i don't i mean we've we've clearly had a large division in the civil war right that was back when it was very the line was geographical more than anything obviously ideological with slavery is one of those main issues but it was it was also geographical and it was the bloodiest battle americans have ever participated in or, or war combined you add every american death from every other war it doesn't Touch what happened in the Civil War. So we have been here before, in in a way, way worse way. But this is this version of sort of what what I find disheartening and and a little bit scarier is just like between neighbors, between family members. There's a lot of lines getting drawn. A lot of Thanksgiving dinners that have gotten real bad, <laughs> a little awkward, right? Anyway, okay. So this division is is been like. And, and I think she's been wise in this sense, like if she, this is a political nightmare to jump into trying to impeach the president for something he had done prior to taking oath in office. But this, this is what makes this different. So the president was on a call with the president of the Ukraine. And in that um, phone call, supposedly, there is a whistleblower. Somebody at the Justice Department was obviously aware of what was taking place. They've blown a whistle. Um, And we have a couple laws that are supposed to protect whistleblowers, especially at this level, um, so that they can speak freely. Um, And of course, we don't know who it is. And I can't even imagine what this person is going through, but they could not sit still and take this. And what happened was the president, in theory, we don't know for sure. And this is what the impeachment will be about and the, the inquiry will be about, but that he pressured with sort of both monetarily and all the all the ways you have power as the president of of america the ukrainian president to Uh, uh, something
0: happening in dan's place Could you could you mute your mic? Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, she disagrees with me, maybe. Uh
2: Yeah, actually, she she just came to to tell to tell me that. that. So if you can please measure the 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 comments that you're uh, mentioning against the president. No, sorry. Sorry
1: I was like, wow, she's into this. OK, yeah. So anyway, what happens is it is in supposedly in that phone call. And this is what they'll they'll look into. He pressured the president of Ukraine with, you know, kind of like, you know, this the subtleties of we're not going to fund the things we've been funding for you or help you in the ways we are, we've we been helping you, um, unless you, you look into Joe Biden, who is his political Holy, really? Rival, yes. Joe Biden's son has some business doings in Ukraine, and there's probably something terrible. Who knows? But to take, to, to use your power to then attack your political rival, and Here's the key. this is so like him. it's not surprising, but he's doing this after he's taken the oath of office, mm. which all of the things that maybe we think fall under this category of you know he he benefits from people staying at his resorts, the secret service, the air force in Scotland. I mean, the money the dude has made because of going to his um his some of his properties and the people who have to stay there and have to pay to stay there. Um, Which all of these things seem
0: like they would be incredibly legal, by the way. But. Yes,
1: and we have a, a particular clause in the, the Constitution that essentially is like, no one should ever benefit from being an elected leader. Um, obviously that is not currently happening. So that's been the call all along, the, the emoluments clause. You know, Let's do it. Look at him. Clearly he's making money from his office. Um, and And so they've resisted and resisted. Well, this is one that is this would can be considered treason bribery. I mean, it's got all the names. Right. Mm. So if this did, in fact, happen while sitting under oath, this is like the most obvious thing uh, they have to to go with, which is, I I think, why they've made the decision to go forward. So this is huge. And I will say, as someone who is not a fan of the president, it seems obvious by my comments. Um, I, I have hesitation. I'm, I'm nervous about the backlash of that. I think something I've realized recently is, you know, for all of us lefties, we got so excited when President Obama was president, like the first black president. Look, we're post-racial. Look how good we are. You know, we kind of did this. And what, what wasn't known then and is very clear now is that it wasn't creating a new world. It was strengthening an opposing party to him. So all that happened under those eight years was related to whatever he says, we want the opposite. Whatever he does is terrible. If you go back to the controversies when Obama was president, there was so little. But whatever he did do um, was blown up to be the worst thing because there was such venomous responses to him on the flip side. And then Trump has sort of brought out and that's not everyone, but he has brought out some some segments of u.s society that have been pretty dormant and pretty quiet and you know some some of our bad behavior right and and that is has emerged and been strengthened and so you so so my hesitation is we think this sounds great like hey, let's do this, let's inquire and find out the truth because we can't have a president doing this. but the political backlash makes me nervous. I have to be honest.
0: I guess what's the alternative? To, to not do it because they're going to yell louder. Uh, it's, yeah, but I understand. Yeah, yeah, there's the, the, no
1: choice at this point. Yeah, yeah, like, you right. can't know that the president has is literally threatening another country to give him dirt on arrival. I mean, it's such mob gangster behavior. It's like
0: yeah. hard
1: to believe. I just, so, yeah. So, so we'll what's, the, true.
0: what's the initial, uh, it's so early we haven't really had any yeah. feedback. Uh, although I, I suspect in our, countries it's probably going to be yeah that sounds like something you would you know everywhere except the u.s um but what's the initial first day uh feedback i guess we know what it is from the left side but from the from the right side beyond uh mcconnell um you know the media and stuff like that are they saying are they using rhetoric that we would expect or what's the deal
1: well, and you you guys are probably familiar with Fox News. It is uh, his his favorite channel. And um, m- most recently, maybe the last couple months or so, there's been a few people on there who are a little more outspoken about some questions they have. I mean, these are reporters. I mean, they're having to... It, it, I mean, we think of the ones who are speaking like a Tucker Carlson or whatever. They are entertainers. And mm. their, their job is to rile everyone up. But there are actual reporters and, and journalists who you know, are, are good journalists that work for Fox news. And there's a couple of them that have just started to say, ask, ask a little more questions or like, you know, hello, maybe. And there's one in particular and people might argue, well, he's, he's just a fake Fox news guy, but he's not, his name's Shepard Smith. And he had a program recently, I think it was just the other night when it was about this, um, this topic and he, and you know, everyone's blaming everyone else. And well, it must be this, or I'm sure Obama created this some at some point. I guarantee we've been blaming Obama or something, right? Like everyone else's problem. And he said, no, the problem is you, Mr. Trump. Like he, mm. he called it. And, and I think that's happening a little bit more and maybe not, you know, but the, there's, there is definitely some, how many excuses do we have to make for somebody? How many times do we have to Wonder, You know, whatever. And there is this impeachment process. This is one of the powers that the House of Representatives have. So the founders had to create so many checks and balances because they had a pretty good grasp on how um, how people are. And this power is to check the president's power. The House has a job, a role. This isn't just oh, political let's let's go get him because we don't like him. They have a job. This is in what they signed you know, rose their hands and made oaths to do is to protect the constitution and to represent the American people. And if the president is doing things that puts all of that in jeopardy, they have to do this. This and, and so it's gonna happen no matter what. I think it's supposed to happen. It should happen. It'll be incredibly interesting to see what goes down. But it's new. Like this was mm-hmm. last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That we very all found recent.
0: Out. Yeah. Um Dan, before I give you the talking stick um, for <laughs> what's happening for in, in Mexico, um, any reaction to, uh, you know, maybe in the country already to, to that uh, impeachment inquiry announcement, or is it too early?
2: Well, the thing about the impeachment is that I have been hearing similar words from the very beginning uh, at the moment that Trump uh, took power. So for me, it's like it, it will be easier just to, for, for him to finish his period and actually get reelected before actually uh, a, a movement against him uh, will take place so sorry but, uh, uh, one of the things that i also have been asking my friends who live in the, in the united states is that uh, has uh, the lifestyle that you have changed so much from the previous president to this one so that you will complain and they say well uh, you know not really so i believe that that is not helping to mobilize at least the, the, the general opinion uh, mm. to help this movement. So, uh, to be honest, I will be glad if that happened, But uh, also, uh, 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 continuing being honest, I don't think it will go, will go
0: anywhere. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It makes me feel like the issues of privacy in tech. A lot of us uh, and listeners are tech-minded, so that will ring true. You understand the theoretical issue and the theoretical risks and the ethical problems that these things pose. But it doesn't really affect you, so you don't care all that much. And I think Trump is a little bit like that. Although, you know, if he gets, if he manages to get something that he can use against Biden, if that's the most uh, uh, likely uh, opponent and, and more, yeah, that, that will have an effect. But it's not a direct effect. It's, again, it's like the climate change. If it brings a sandstorm in front of your house, then you're going to care. But that, it has to be a pretty direct Uh, results. So, um, I don't know. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, to uh, conclude the show, Dan, what's been happening in Mexico?
2: Uh, Well, after listening to these uh, dissident messages from the left, (laughs) uh, I I want to bring some togetherness uh, with a couple of news that uh, are actually about bringing people together. And uh, during the week, uh, I'm going to read you the first paragraph of, of, some, of uh, one report from Newsweek. And it says: Arizona Republican businessman and pro-Trump United States Senate primary challenger, Daniel McCarthy. Proposed annexing Mexico, telling a radio host that 30 million illegal immigrants and half the country already want to be U.S. citizens. Uh, so <laughs> Daniel McCarthy wants to wants Mexico to be part of the United States. Uh, I, I believe that if he actually say that in in radio in Mexico, uh, believing me that he will have a lot of support. We are actually were thinking uh, perhaps in declaring war to the United States, then we intentionally will lose it and then they can annex the, the rest of the country. I mean, they, they have done it before. So sounds like a, a, a clear plan. So that's the proposal. So that, that's not new. But the, for me, it was really funny to, to hear this. So that happened during the week in Arizona. Uh, but here in Mexico, uh, we have been uh, having the evolution of uh, the immigration uh, situation, the immigration problem uh, in, in interesting ways. Uh, let me explain. Uh, if you recall the last time that I had the chance to to be sharing uh, mics with you guys, I mentioned uh, one of the phrases that we're not going to build a wall because the wall, it's a symbol that, Trump, that, that Donald Trump wants to build. And actually, it doesn't uh, serve any purpose, but uh, his ego uh, or to establish a symbol. Uh, however, for me, it's kind of sad to mention that right now, yes, we're not building a wall, but we, Mexico, are the wall. And this has to be with the deals that have been taking place with the, the presidents, uh, with the, the current president that we have in here, with the representatives of the United States. And uh, let me explain uh, uh, like the different implications that this has. Um, we were dealing with the North, uh, with the previously known as the NAFTA North America Free Treaty. Uh, with Canada and the United States, uh, we have to renew these, uh, these deals. And it implies in the industry a lot of aspects. For example, uh, most of the cars that you are driving in the United States have at least some of the parts made in Mexico or assembled in Mexico. So the auto, auto industry worked a lot with this because it was cheaper perhaps to, to build the, the lower part of the car uh, here in Mexico, then you ship it to the United States, then it came back, and then at the end, uh, you ended with the cheaper product. But however, uh, Trump has been insisting a lot in tariffs. You know that with China, that's a, a regular problem. That you can pretty much listen every day about the tariffs that he wanted to impose to that country. And with Mexico, it was supposed to be different because we were agreeing on a treaty. So we, didn't, we weren't going to have um, tariffs in aluminum, for example. Uh, but then he said that we are going to have it. And then he was like, "Well, you know how he's Trump. Uh, it, it depends uh, whats the mood that he is on that day. And uh, after that, um, we agreed in a lot of things. Uh, we as, as as a country. So we had the, the the treaty signed, the 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 treaty between the United States, Mexico and Canada. And a couple of days after this treaty that mentioned, for example, that we were not going to have extra tariffs on aluminum, he said that he was going to uh, impose those tariffs if we didn't help uh, more with the immigration problem. So that's the kind of pressure that we were dealing with. Uh, part of the problem is that in this side, we don't have a lot of power of negotiation uh, in part because the representatives, uh, the president, the secretary of state here in Mexico, they want pretty much to play it smoothly. So they don't want to discuss a lot, uh, afraid that, that you can have a, a stronger opposition in the other side. So you kind of understand that, but the previous president weren't as easy going in that way. Uh, So then you have a signed treaty, something that is recognized by the Congress, at least in Mexico, uh, recognized by the president in here, recognized by the president of the United States. It needed, it still needed the approval in the Congress uh, in the United States, but then you have the Trump declaration. So then you see that he has no war and uh, he will just move uh, and and, and start kicking whoever needed for him to, to get more popular. Uh, however, part of the things that in Mexico uh, we agreed to to play part in this, in this in this was that we were going to get the stronger uh, forces at the southern border, uh, the one that we are sharing with Guatemala and Belize. And part of that was that we were going to send uh, 2,400 soldiers there so that we weren't going to have a lot of people coming from the southern countries, uh, Guatemala, Belize, Honduras, El Salvador, for example. Uh, that uh, they were trying to use cross Mexico and go to the United States. Okay, so we're going to reinforce the, the, the borders in there. Also, one of the other um, petitions that we have is that Mexico had to become a secure, secure country. I don't know if that's how you call it in English or tercer país seguro in Spanish, which means that uh, if you are uh, coming from one of these countries from Guatemala, for example, and you want to go to the United States, you you have to ask for uh, for a re- refugee status, but remain in Mexico while your situation is, is being dealt with. So that can take pretty much about one year or two years. But we're going to be hosting you in, in our country. Uh, that actually sounds good. However, the the, the main problem is that we had a lot of uh, caravans, a lot of um, people marching, uh, particularly from uh, from Honduras uh, in the in the last months, uh, and uh, they were going um, crossing the country all the way to the north. And then I started seeing something that I haven't seen before in Mexico. Perhaps it was because of the quantity of people crossing. And I found a lot of the things that we complain about the racist people in the, in, in, in the United States, uh, uh, that, same character, that same characteristics were being shown here in Mexico. And we were complaining like, oh, look at those uh, greasy, and insert the name of the country that you were uh, talking uh, mm. against. And look how, how they are coming. They are just leaving a, a trail of trash in here. They just want to take our jobs. We are not even able to provide to our own people with food and they are taking off food. And uh, it, pretty much the same complaints. So for me, it was really sad, but well, that also shows me that we are not that different. Uh, you know, it's way. funny,
0: Any, it feels like no matter your level of your economic status as a country, you're never able to provide for um, immigrants. And Exactly. Yeah, it's, I mean, if we can't, maybe we, I mean, you know, France, Finland, the US, then nobody can. But um, that's a different conversation. But it's, <laughs> it's funny that it doesn't matter how much you have; you're never willing to share it. And I say that as someone who's not naturally, you know, wanting to share. My stuff is my stuff, right? That's that's the <laughs> human feeling. But I, I don't. Yeah, it's interesting.
2: And uh, uh, in in the other side of the the table, uh, you can see how uh, the different kind of people react to this kind of situation. For example, at the north of the country, we we have Tijuana, where you have a lot of maquiladoras, uh, factories where a lot of products are being produced and they are being shipped to the United States. And uh, for example, uh, when there was a disaster in Haiti, uh, a lot uh, we, we got a lot of immigrants from that island here in Mexico and they were trying to cross to the United States and uh, they located in this place uh, waiting for the status the refugee status and uh, you could see the difference between the different kind of migrants and it was funny because you could look at the street and uh, perhaps you are up at the stop sign and then you saw some uh, some guy from Haiti with uh, actually a full permit that he could be working here in Mexico and he was selling you bubble gum at the corner in the red stop in 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 the red uh, in the red light and when you compare that with the other the people who, to be honest, they only want to cross because they want to go to the United States and you complain that they are just leaving a trail of trash. Well, you, you see different perspective for, from the different kinds of immigrants that we have. And speaking with the, some of these people from Haiti uh, specifically, they mentioned, well, you know, I know that I'm going to stay here for a, a longer time. So why I don't treat this place like the place that I'm going to be staying? So I should be as, uh, looking for a, a decent work and at least providing to my family with uh, the, the list that we need while we're waiting. So th- th- there you have a, a positive aspect in this because you, you are not only uh, perhaps looking for help, but you actually are trying to make the best of, uh, of the work situation.
0: Mm. Yeah. So essentially, uh, no, you were saying you were going to unite us, uh, but that was just the annexion the the annexing of Mexico. The actual stories are not that uh, positive either. You know, I I feel like what you're telling me about the um, the, the, the the anti-immigrant feelings in Mexico isn't making me feel like you are you know, oh, these people, they're everywhere and they're terrible. It makes me feel that sentiment is so universal that there is a genuine basis behind it somewhere. And instead of telling those people, you're terrible because you are you hate the world and you're a horrible human being, my feeling is we have to get to the bottom of why that sentiment is there and fix that. Because the hatred for most people I'm sure there are some people who are you know just racist and that's it but the hatred uh, or the 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 dislike of immigrants and other people is the symptom It doesn't seem to me like it's the cause um but yeah. can
1: I can I throw out an answer for you real quick oh please yes <laughs> at least what I think I think fix everything yeah I'll fix it here we go um it's not the most hopeful answer but it is I, I damn think, it Wendy I think it's pretty accurate <laughs> which is. Biology, right? So we have two fundamental things that that humans need and do and are, and that is pretty tribal. Like you're familiar, your language, you sound like me, you look like me. That means safety. We're very biologically driven to feel safe. Um, And that is one component of that, right? Of, Of racism or anyone new coming into your space. And then the second one being scarcity. We have, I mean, you think about our ancestors, right? It's like, I'm going to die if I don't find food. That was every day. And so that is built into our DNA. And so even though we may have plenty, there is something about a stranger joining or walking into our tribe and need, eating our food. <laughs> and we didn't invite them there or they, we're not sure they're safe. So I think there's this really fundamental biological processes happening and no one is immune. In fact, I think, you know, this. this is my argument for religion is that it, it actually argues for folks to try to rise above that biology and be nice anyway, right? Mm. And that's the attempt mm. anyway. Um, so my experience in Sweden with this was, was pretty unique in the timing of it. So I was there um, during um, the big wave of Syrian refugees, and Sweden took in 160,000 refugees in one summer. So that's the equivalent of 10 million in the United States coming in one summer based on population difference. That's a shocking amount. And were people frustrated? Yes. And were they worried? Yes. And was it difficult? Yes. However, they did something that I thought was incredibly ingenious is every single city was required to take a certain number of folks. And so what would happen is you would enter Sweden, they would get you to a, a, a location. And, and sometimes those were pretty rough places, like really far up north in the dark. <laughs> um, but this this distribution thing meant that each community, their resources weren't stretched so thin because they already had some program in, in place. I benefited from that program. I, I went to the English or the Swedish classes, and that's how I got to know so many refugees is because they were in school learning the language, learning how to integrate. Now, is it perfect? No. But did it collapse that country? No. Did it maybe rise a little bit of the... White nationalists there? Maybe, yes. But there is something to be said for, there's different techniques to use to limit this amount of scarcity feeling or this human tribalism thing. And here's the crazy part, and this this is why Americans are hypocrites, is we are, every single one of us, an immigrant, every one of us, unless you are a Native American. And what happened is each group at each time was the outcast. We've done this over and over and over, but then the next group comes and then now we're, uh, we can hate them, but we then integrate and we become, you know, the society. And part of that is just time and human.
0: Okay, but. <laughs> um, I didn't th-
1: solve it just now. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, Come on, Patrick, be positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are some people, and it's not about income. It's not about how much you have, because you have people on both sides of the issue in every social class, right? So what makes it different for different people? What makes it that some people feel that way and some people don't, even though they might have a lot or a little?
1: That's that's a great point because it's relative. So we know some stuff about when people can feel good about the amount they have, like they feel like it's good. So you take, you take somebody and you say, okay, uh, you're going to make seventy five thousand dollars a year. That's pretty good. You're going to make seventy five thousand dollars a year, um, but you're going to live in a neighborhood where everyone's making eighty, eighty five, or you're going to make sixty thousand dollars a year, and everyone around you is going to make fifty. Which would you choose? And again and mm-hmm. again, people pick sixty. It's not the amount; it's the comparison. Mm-hmm. It's the the feeling poor, feeling scarcity, and I think that's the very that very ancient. Um, thing that gets triggered of I don't have enough. And then if the perception is someone else is coming in and getting a free ride, that is really difficult when we ourselves are struggling. And I think, OK,
0: yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, I think that's part of the rise of of Donald Trump and the popularity that he that he has. I mean, that dude has never been poor, has no idea what real people's lives are like. It's not that he gets it. It's that on one hand, he is kind of odd man out. I mean, there's some interesting stories about him. One in Las Vegas is a particular one I know about from someone I know um, is that he wanted to build his hotel on the strip, like all of the other hotels. <laughs> they just crowded him out. So he is a good, I don't know, it's like a, two or three blocks away from the strip um, because a group of business businessmen at the time didn't like him and didn't want him there and they wouldn't let him do it. And so I think he has been in the rich world this kind of odd duck and, and has always been fighting to be good enough and you can see it. That's how he, he operates. Um, and, and so you take that, like he, he can reach that part of people who are maybe white um, working class folks who are like, no one's ever represented me before. No one ever has talked to me before or cared about me before. And so he's tapping into that populist thing. And I think this is happening all over the world. You have strong men that come in and go, yeah, I see you down there when they're living lavish lifestyles. It doesn't even make sense in theory. But what it does is it points to this thing of like, I got you and I'm gonna help you when no one else seems to have cared about you or forgotten you. Yeah. While others can come in and bootstrap it and suddenly they're they're making money and everyone's taking my, you know, the, the money, my taxes, et cetera. So it starts to really tap into the, A, I'm forgotten. My tribe doesn't care about me. And then someone new can come in and take over. So it's it's mm-hmm. messy. It's really messy. Um, all right. One so, comment
2: that I want to say, but uh, sorry, Patrick.
0: No, go ahead, Dan. I'll,
1: I'll okay, finish up
2: and,
0: afterwards uh, with a solution right, to everything. And,
2: uh, yes, please. We need that. Uh, yes. And uh, for example, uh, I do agree completely with what uh, Wendy was mentioned. And, and we have a fake sense of entitlement because we think that we deserve even, even th- that we don't know what that we could have. And uh, at least there have been some steps uh, being uh, taken to, to to fight this. At least in Mexico, for example, uh, our current president mentioned uh, during this week that he was going to give the support uh, to Guatemala, specifically, uh, economical support like thirty million of dollars uh, to help uh, to to so, so the people. Uh, shouldn't be looking for work in here. And perhaps in here in Mexico, a lot of people were saying, as I mentioned before, why are you giving our money to somebody else? Why are you uh, giving away something that we actually need in here? Well, first of all, perhaps you didn't even know that we have this money and it was for different kinds of projects. So that was actually a really positive thing. And uh, we have to be uh, sharing the, the the things that we have. In Mexico, we have a saying that uh, in Spanish is uh, donde come uno, come dos, or where one pe- person can eat, uh, surely two, pe- two people could eat there and there. Uh, and it, it means that we, we are willing to share at least a bit uh, to somebody else who, who is in need. So we have to start thinking that not about that, what we think that we deserve, but actually what we think that we can give. And those are small pieces that's something that requires perhaps a cultural change. But let's be honest, uh, there are just uh, some uh, small groups of people who actually are unable to give away something that somebody needs more. And that was mm. all.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's I think uh, uh, understandable for everyone that there are some people who actually don't have enough <laughs> to to give stuff away. Um, it, it it's interesting the the relative um, aspects of what you were talking about, Wendy, how we relate to other people in our social group if they have more or less. In France, I come across uh, people who are fighting to reduce the inequalities, uh, you know, the the left side of the equation, which I think has a point. There is uh, uh, definitely always things to be adjusted and to be changed to make sure that everyone is paying their fair share. But I always think they, a lot of people see themselves as the, actually everyone sees themselves uh, as the people who have, a little bit less than the others, and it depends on who the others you're comparing yourself to are, but in France, I think the the people who are uh fighting these fights the most I don't think they're actually you know the the, the, the most uh, uh disenfranchised you're uh, I guess you're always someone else's rich person, no matter where you are, you know, unless you're one of the people Dan was talking about who are actually uh, uh, impoverished. Um, and I think that's an interesting way of thinking about it. It doesn't necessarily change um, your your views on the world or on society. I'm not saying the people on the left that they should not fight capitalism. I think it's just a, a, an interesting way of looking at things that is not always um, exercised. Uh, but to, to fix everything before we close off the show, um, I wanted to say if the problem is often perception as, well, perception of who is making more than you uh, in, in, in the world and around us, we have technology. I think a perfect solution to that issue is that when you look online, at least, you should be whatever you see should be filtered to only display things uh, from people who are worse off than yourself and then you would never feel oh you know i i'm uh uh i'm getting screwed i don't have enough and i'm just uh 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 i i see those people who have more than me and so it's it's unfair everything is unfair and thus Immigration, immigrants are taking from me and that's terrible but it could be filtered individually so everyone would only see stuff from people who have less um and that would fix it right
1: it's literally the opposite of instagram yes exactly
0: <laughs> it, it would nice. be not-stagram.
1: not instagram i have nothing a gram <laughs> yeah no i that would be a really fun experiment um to see what would happen to Although
0: Instagram is people making it seem like everything's perfect. So I don't know. You know, I post a lot of pictures uh, from my morning walks and stuff like that. It makes you think that everything is wonderful. What you don't see is when it's raining all day and it's dark and actually yeah. even the rain is wonderful here in the forest so i
1: don't know it's- <laughs> that is true your <laughs> nice. stuff isn't real <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right and that's gonna be it for our show today um before we leave uh, can both of you tell us where we can find your stuff online let's start with dan sir go ahead
2: uh, it's really easy. Uh, you can just follow me on Twitter as Dan Campos, and I uh, talk mainly about cinema, about science, and about uh, storytelling. So there you have it, At Twitter as Dan
0: Campos. Wendy, are you still on Instagram?
1: I am. I'm still on Instagram, and you will not feel bad about your life if you follow me, because I only <laughs> I only post ridiculous things and embarrassing things. So uh, Wendy Dunford on Instagram, and then TherapyThursdays.com if you... um have a therapy question you want to ask i have all the answers apparently <laughs>
0: uh, you know i i would love for it to be a um therapy online service there has to, that has to exist where you can call up a therapist and
1: it does okay. there's a there's a couple great websites actually um so i was a little skeptical at first and i had a client who decided to try it out and then let me see the transcripts. But there's there's a couple ones. One, uh, the one I'm familiar with is BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R help.com, and they assign you a therapist, and it is all text and email, and it's all day, all night, whatever you need. Um, and he sent me the transcripts, so I got a chance to sort of see how the person responded. I'd already seen this person, I knew everything about them, and this person nailed it really quickly. It was hmm. really impressive. Yeah, I thought, no way. But
0: what if really I don't want to write crazy? though? What if I want to talk to someone and lie on my you know couch and
1: yeah, I actually do that. <laughs> oh, really Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um that's the future of my industry, I think, um, in a lot of ways because you can see people in lots of places, but also, you know, it's, it is environmentally sound to sit in your house and <laughs> not right. get in your car and come visit. And you can wear your pajamas. It's great. So those, there's, mm. there's options. Especially but there isn't people, a site
0: that will connect you with someone you can talk to.
1: Um, you know, you can, you can Google a little bit and find okay. various people who do that. So a okay. lot of expats, that's a real big thing. If you're in a country that it's not your native language, that's mm. pretty tricky to really get in your deep feelings when you can't get all the words right. And so, right. uh, there, that, that exists more for those kinds of things. So Google around. And if anyone really wants to know, I can help you navigate that a little bit. You can just, um, DM me. Okay.
0: Excellent. Uh, I feel like, you know, I, we should talk cause I actually, I did, uh, have a little bit of, a, uh, I did have a therapist for a little while and I think it's super healthy. It's a lot of people, well, maybe not these days, most people understand that this is something that can be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's really like st- understanding yourself is your mind is as important as understanding your body, and I think that's healthy even for people who are mostly healthy. And totally. um, so yeah, I maybe there there's something that should be done, but I don't know how I don't know ethical or weird it would be if I told you all my problems and then you would be on the show. <laughs> um, and then I
1: come on the show and try not to uh, <laughs> right.
0: ah. think about. No. Yeah, or, or like, yeah, the, the oh, right, of course, Patrick, you would think that. Like, of uh, we be, yeah. we've
1: discussed the source of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've
0: we talked about ha, that. Ha, oh, that reminds me of your, your pet from when you were a teenager so much. I'm like, oh, what, what? Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, all right, well, let's talk. Um, okay. <laughs> but. Uh, for me, not Patrick, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well, if you want the wonderful pictures of rain in the, sw- in the Finnish forest. And um, this the site for this show, uh, Frenchspin.com, where you can comment on what we said, interesting or not. And, uh, or, I mean, if you thought it was interesting or if you thought it was crap, I guess, uh, say that. You can, you can come say that as well. And if you enjoy the show and want to support it, patreon.com slash the phileas club uh, the link is in the show notes as well so please use it uh, liberally and extensively and enjoy that as well thanks so much for listening we'll be back in about i so we're trying to put together a, a, a saga about brexit as it looms closer and closer but at the same time ever farther Um, So we'll see if that happens, but I think it might. We have a number of people I'd love to talk to. So uh, hopefully in a few weeks, we'll have that. Talk to you then. Bye.